to pick up at verse 12 of uh, Luke chapter 6. By the way, this account that we're reading is found four different places in the Bible, but not in the four Gospels. It's located in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but not in John. It's found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and in the book of Acts, the listing of the disciples and their names. Um, And their names are interesting. Their lives are interesting. We're going to take a look at them. Let's pick up verse 12. I'll read out loud if you'll follow along silently. Now, it came to pass in those days. Everyone, please say, those days. It's, It's one of those understatements. It's one of those days, right? As it came to pass in those days that Jesus went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself And from them, he chose 12. And he also named them apostles. Everyone say apostles. So here they go. Broken into three groups of, uh, 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 yeah, three groups of four. Three groups of four. The first group is well known. The second group is somewhat known. And the third group is not known at all. But we have a little bit of information in relation to them. We're going to start with the, the first group. Two sets of brothers. Here we go. He chose 12 uh, whom he also named apostles. Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew his brother. That word and means that he's putting them together in pairs, sending them out in twos. So he puts the brothers together, sends them out. Now we're going to see the other pair. James and John, also brothers. Philip and Bartholomew. Matthew and Thomas. James, the son of Alphaeus, or actually known as James the Lesser. We don't know why he's called James the Lesser. He was either really young or really short. (laughs) James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot. Uh, He would have been a Democrat socialist. And if you're a socialist Democrat, that's not an insult. He, that's, I mean, that's, that's the kind of guy he is. He's, he, all right. (laughs) Judas, the son of James. We know nothing about the guy. And Judas Iscariot, who also became a traitor. So they, had, they put that tagline in there. And that's the passage. And let me pray, and then you can sit down and relax. Lord, thank you for your word. And God, as we've seen the list of these 12 names, that from the multitude of the disciples, you called all the disciples to yourself. And one by one, you began to pick the 12 from this group, and you gave them a name, Apostle. And, and Lord the significance of that and how you chose them and you spent all night in prayer with the Father and this is what you came up with and Lord, even in the midst of it you came up with Judas Iscariot and we would think on the surface you failed but yet Lord, in the economy of God's grace even the greatest pain is used together for good and how you do it is beyond my understanding but I I marvel every time I see it done and so Lord, please, I pray as we examine these names and these lives that you would touch hearts, comfort, strengthen, bless inspire and encourage and so we commit this to you and holy spirit please lead us into all truth as you promise in your word in jesus name we pray amen well have a seat now it came to pass in those days and i had to repeat that because that jumped out at me i 
I keep thinking in, to myself, it's one of those days. And as it came to pass in those days, and, and putting it into context so that you understand that you just can't read past that and forget it or dismiss it. You, you, you want to know what it's saying. As it came to pass in those days, two things were rising uh, in Israel in those days. One was Jesus' popularity. We saw that. His popularity is increasing, and so is the hostility. Uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees are figuring out ways to kill him or destroy him. The rest are coming in droves to be with him. He's healing multitudes. Um, and, and in the midst of this cacophony of noise of people praising him, people seeking to destroy him, he goes to a mountain to pray, and he prays all night. But to give you a better understanding of those days, I pulled up out of Matthew chapter 9, before he goes in, before Matthew goes in to describe who the 12 are, he sets the stage better than Luke did by saying what those days meant. Uh, Verse 36 of Matthew 9, it says, but when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. He says to his, to his disciples, and there's, there's 70 disciples, maybe more, and they've been following him. And Jesus had the multitudes, the 70, the 12, and the 3. He had a different management style as it would come down. A disciple is this idea of somebody that you spend time with and imparting. It's, it's more than a teacher-student. There's almost a personal connection there that you're, you're, you're pouring in part of yourself in relation to the, uh, the teaching. And, and you, have, you have a vested interest in the life of this person. And you have a concern for them. Um, and, and so... Matthew points this out, but, but what he points out that you don't see in Luke is Jesus puts the burden on them to pray. He says, uh, you know, I have compassion. I mean, you, you guys are following me and all these folks are following us. Uh, and, and they are weary and they're scattered and they're sheep without a shepherd. And, and my heart's breaking. And I, I want you to see this and realize that the harvest is plentiful. But the labors are, are few and so I want to put this on you. I want you to pray. And I want you to pray to the Father that he would send laborers. What happens when you ask the Lord to meet a need? He usually picks you to fulfill it, right? And that's what I love. People come up to me all the time. Pastor, we really need this ministry in the church. Praise the Lord that he put it on your heart. When are you going to start? So many of you have already gotten that clue and you don't talk to me anymore. And I, I, that hurts a little bit. It, uh, it cuts deep. But Jesus says, pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into the harvest field. And, and this is his, his de- declaration as he wants them to pray. And then Matthew, much like Luke, then points out before he lists the 12, he says, uh, then he called his 12 disciples to him and he gave them power. Exousia, it's this idea of he, he empowers them by his spirit to accomplish some amazing things. And here's some of the amazing things that they do. They have power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. So these folks are going to be experiencing a, a radical move of God's spirit. And it's going to be a kingdom that they're, they're unfamiliar with. Um, and and, he, and he, he appoints them. Now, what Matthew leaves out that Luke puts in is this concept of prayer. Uh, if, you, if you go back to Luke chapter 6, it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Mark covers that. Matthew doesn't. He prays all night to the Father. And when it was day, he then gathers all the disciples. So it'd be like the room filled. And, um, and he's been praying all night. He looks over and he says, okay, Mark, not you, Tom, 
Uh, right? He's just looking out and he's pointing. Tom. Oh, I got two Toms. Oh, I got two Judases. So, and as he points to them, they stand up and the others are looking going, who is it? And then he gives them a title, Apostle. Apostle. And it's amazing how we have taken this term and we have made it so religious. It wasn't. It's the same thing with church. Ecclesia. It's not a religious term. It's a secular term. It means assembly. It's, it's, it's a governmental term. Ecclesia. Apostles, the same thing. And, and Natasha and I totally got to understand this term of apostle. Uh, the, the concept of apostle it's, it's the Greek word apostolos, and it means sent one, but it's deeper than that. It is, it is the secular term for ambassador. As we were driving around Washington, D.C., there was, there was the housing for the ambassador of Costa Rica and the United Arab Emirates and, and the People's Republic of China, and you drive by each of these embassies where the ambassador would be. And, you're, and, and this is sovereign ground. This is their territory. And they've got diplomatic license plates and they're allowed to freely come and go and park wherever they want. And, and it's, it's, it's the idea, it's the minister of the highest rank by one prince or state. So they, they represent the state or the prince of, of their nation and, and they are in another state. And, and they are presenting their ideology and they manage the, the public concerns of their own prince or their own sovereign or their own state. And they represent the power, to, power and the dignity of that sovereign. And they're ordinary, they reside in this, this location, and they come to this foreign court, this foreign land, to declare their ideology, and to stand for the purposes of their prince, or their sovereign, or their nation. Well, you are all ambassadors, you're all apostles, and that you've been placed in a foreign land, this is not our home, we're only passing through the ideology upon which we stand, and the prince whom we represent declares that we stand for these principles and contend for those ideologies. The Lord knew what he was saying when he used that term. It is, we want to go, apostle, holy apostle. And we want to somehow ascribe re- religiosity to it when we, and we want to avoid this idea of contending for culture. But that's what the word apostle means. It means ambassador, sent one, someone who represents another and has a message from the sender, from the prince. Jesus was also an apostle declared by Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 when the writer said, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. He was the prince of the father. He was the son of the father representing the kingdom of heaven in a foreign land, this earth that had been taken. And so he appoints them apostles, but he has to come to a place to figure out how do I distinguish between a disciple and an apostle? These folks are equipped. They're going to go out in twos. But I want these, these 12 to be significant. They're going to be, there's many emissaries that are, are in the embassies that do the bidding of the prince. But there's one ambassador. And he's picking the ambassadors. And they're going to be sent into different countries. Uh, we, we find that, that one of the disciples will be impaled. Every one of them, save but for John, are, are all martyred. One is skinned alive. One is beheaded. One is impaled. And they die in different realms of the world as they're taking the gospel, the good news, this ideology contending for culture out into these foreign lands representing their prince. And each of them is attacked. But the part I don't want to skip over before we get to the appointing of the apostles, the part that we really need to emphasize is this. Ready? Because some of you are fading on me. You, you lost an hour's sleep. Stay with me. 
He went to a mountain to pray. Prayed all night to God. And then he decided to choose them. I like what D.L. Moody says about prayer. He says, I'd rather be able to pray than be a great preacher. Jesus Christ never taught his disciples how to preach, but only how to pray. Jesus didn't teach them once, he taught them twice. And each time they said, Jesus teaches how to pray. And then he gave them the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And he breaks down the prayer of putting everything into perspective and aligning with the will of the Father. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, holy is your name. And, and it's about your kingdom. And Lord, give, me, give us this day our daily bread, you know, step by step. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from me. This is a continual prayer for every disciple. And I ask you to pray to the Lord of the harvest. This is how you pray. You get alone with him, and here's what prayer is. Prayer isn't going to the cosmic genie of the sky and giving him your laundry list of what you want him to do. Dance to my tune. This is the list of what I want from you. Prayer is going to God and aligning with his will and his purpose. It doesn't change him. It changes us. And we align with his purpose. I like what one author writes. He says, one might estimate the weight of the world, tell the size of the celestial city, count the stars of heaven, measure the speed of lightning, tell the time of the rising and the setting of the sun, but you cannot estimate the power of prayer. Prayer is as vast as God because he is behind it. Prayer is as mighty as God because he has committed himself to answer it. And Spurgeon wrote, one night alone in prayer might make us new men change from poverty of soul to spiritual wealth from trembling to triumphing. And my point is this. We all go to sleep at night or try to go to sleep with the cares of the world. And some of you don't sleep. And you've got your portfolio on the ceiling and you're moving things. You've got family members and concerns and sicknesses and you've got relational issues and you, it's all there. And you just ruminate all night long and you just can't shut it down and you're tired. And you wake up in the morning and you're exhausted and nothing's fixed. And have we ever stopped to consider a night of prayer? The Bible says cast your cares on him for he cares for you. The Bible says, be anxious in nothing. The word of God says, be anxious in nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. If you're anxious, you haven't cast your cares. If you're laying there and your chest is tight, cast your cares on him. Labor in prayer. If your heart is broken, labor in prayer. Spend time with him. And it's not so God fix this. God do this. God, God, God. It's Lord align me to see this from your vantage point. Align me to see what you're doing. Put me in your stride. Put me in your step. Allow me to understand in this, the vast array of, of, of world issues and a broken heart and anxiety. Would you, would you put it together that it would make sense? That I would be in your stride and trust you and be anxious in nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Would you give me a grateful heart that, yea, though you slay me, yet will I praise you? And, and what happens is after a night of prayer like that, you wake up aligned, your day goes smoother. I often find that I, I may enjoy just 
laying there ruminating and trying to figure out the issues of the world on my own and getting no sleep. But I've found times where I'm coming into an issue that is very contentious. Uh, it, 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 is a, it is just wrought with landmines everywhere. And to navigate that is, is beyond my bandwidth. I remember when I ran for the state assembly and my very first time to visit Sacramento to go up there to speak to the third house, to go speak to lobbyists so they donate to my campaign and then go meet with the minority caucus and get their support and their endorsement. I didn't know anybody up there. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know politics. And I went up to, to Sacramento and I went up there with a friend. We're in a dumpy hotel because it was all we could afford. And I remember that night I, I brought with me and I pulled it off the shelf. I dusted it off. It had been a book someone had given me years and years ago. It was 31 Days of Wisdom and Praise. And the reason why I pulled it off the shelf is because it's a tiny book and it fit in my carry-on. Because I couldn't afford to check a bag. And I get up there with this little book and I'm having my devotion. I couldn't sleep the whole night. And I'm, 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 my chest is tight, not knowing what I'm supposed to say, what the issues are, how I'm supposed to navigate a world I know nothing about. It's all confusing. And I just began to go through that day's readings. And it's just the Psalms and the Proverbs, reading them, and each one praying over it and just saying, God, would you order my steps? Would you, would you get me through this world as landmines? Lord, this is, I don't consider, concern myself with problems too profound for me, but I've calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child. Lord, let me hope in you. You, you. you see the beginning from the end, all points in between. I just want to do your will. I want to be aligned with what you want. Lord, I don't get this. Help me. And I remember just praying, and, and he is the one that drew me to that because of the impending doom. And he, he, you know, you set your alarm, and this is fascinating, you set your alarm because you want to wake up to get ready to shower. He awakens me. At like three in the morning, read. I don't want to read. Read. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest, right? I'm calling you into this to align you with me because I know where we need to go and I want you to be ready for that. All right, Lord. And I I calm and quiet my soul. I turn off all the distractions and I just begin to dwell on that. And I watch as I walk into meeting after meeting. I have no idea what they're referring to, what they're talking about. He would give me a quick answer and and, uh, this and that and see the relational things and landmines and traps that were set for me. It's like I I just was dancing through it without any issue. I just couldn't believe it. And I, I just stood back and I thought, how did you do that? I didn't know what I was supposed to do going back to Washington this trip. U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, who are they? And what am I supposed to say? You're the mayor. Yeah, that's because they elected me. It's not because they're smart. I mean, Lord. (laughs) But just praying over this and watching as he navigates you through this, and this is what he did. The Lord prayed. And Jesus, Jesus never used his deity to accomplish anything in his humanity. He was fully God and fully man, but he operated as a, as a man who was reliant upon the Father. I and my Father are one. Apart from my Father, I can do nothing. So he'd get alone and say, okay, Father, what are we doing today? Have you ever tried that? Have you ever taken all the concerns and the cares of your life and begin by just saying, what are we going to do with these today, Lord? And the Lord says, we? Yeah, you're right. What are you going to do with these things today, Lord? What do you want to do with your life? Because you purchased me with the holy blood of Christ. And I, I'm not my own. I've been purchased by Christ. My, my kids, I'm, 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 simply, I'm, I'm simply a steward of their lives. What, what do you want to do, Lord? And will you give me wisdom? Because your word says in James, if any man lacks wisdom, he just has to ask of you. You'll give freely to him. And the Lord says, yes. What do you want? Because if it's according to my will, it's yes and amen. 
And you just spend time in the presence of the Lord and he calms and quiets your soul. And then all of a sudden, you start getting anxious about it. And God says, wait a minute, what, what are you doing? You're not, we're over here. I know, but Lord, come on, bring it over here. Just give it to me. There you go. But are you sure you're going to take good care? I, you got two options here. You can lay awake all night worrying about it or you can give it to me and trust me. And all of a sudden, that relationship starts to align and you're in a stride. That's what the Lord did. And, and as he comes out, he prays all night, continues all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself and he begins to appoint these guys. And you go, well, obviously the night of prayer didn't work. He got Judas. And I, I remember one professor at seminary, you know, a, a student said, if the Lord prayed all night, how is it that he ended up with Judas Iscariot? He goes, I don't know. I don't know why he would have chosen Judas Iscariot, but I have a harder question for you. He goes, what's that? And he goes, why did he choose you? <laughs> but then he, he, he softened it by saying, and why did he choose me? Why did he choose any of us? He wants to be in your life, but he also says, if you want to be in my life, you pray to the Lord of the harvest. You align with me. It's a two-way street. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to awaken you. I'm going to call you. I'm going to woo you. I'm going to love on you. I'm going to be patient and long-suffering. I, 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 I'm, I'm a, an approachable father. I want to bless you. I want to do these things in your life. You've got all these things that you're concerned with. Cast them on me. I'm here. I'm dad. One of the things that I've noticed as a father is adopted or not, my kids call me and they need something. I, I do everything I can to give it to them. And they, I'm, I'm a man of finite resources and they test me. You're calling upon your heavenly father who has infinite resources and wisdom. He's the author of it and the embodiment of it. Call on him. He'll show you great and mighty things you know not of. And so as he goes through this, this is that picture. He didn't fail. Judas would end up being one of the greatest gifts to, in a sense, um, the ministry itself. And I'll add this one thing before we go through briefly the, the 12 that he picked. I love this idea that when he started with them, they, they were a ragtag group and they were a train wreck. And one of them, yeah, he picks Judas. Judas ends up being a traitor, commits suicide. I get all that. But one in particular, he picks Peter and he starts out with Peter, um, son of Jonah. Uh, and and as he picks him, we know what happens, that he, he, he denies the Lord three times before the rooster crowed. And Peter said, I'll never leave you. I'll go to prison for you. I'll even die for you. And he says, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. He said, and, and, he, and he does. He just, he, just, he just fails God. He fails Jesus so spectacularly. And, and I, I thank the Lord that he put Judas, or excuse me, put, well, Judas, but he put Peter in there. Because if, if, if that guy does that, I'm, 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 I'm in company with some pretty lousy people because I fit that bill. Is there anyone in here who hasn't ever let the Lord down? Okay, are there any liars in the room? <laughs> and Peter got it because he would go through this whole failure and the last letter, epistle, it's a fancy word for letter, the last epistle that he would write before he would be crucified upside down because all these would be martyred except for John. 
Peter wrote in the very last chapter, in the very last verses of the very last epistle, he said, you therefore beloved, and he's speaking to us, he says, since you know this beforehand, you know what I did, you know, I, I really messed up. Since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness. I love that he added also, humble man, he said, look, you want to do what I did? Instead of declaring your allegiance to God, why don't you just spend time letting him in prayer fill you? He said, I, I, I fell from my own steadfastness. I was led away with error of, wicked, of the wicked. He says, listen, you grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You grow in grace. It was God's mercy, is, is God's goodness that led Peter to repentance. There on the shores of Galilee, after he had betrayed the Lord, he asked him three times, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord. Three times he said it, and it was just fascinating how he drew him back. He understood grace. Look, you failed. God doesn't keep a record of wrongs. He just wants you to align with him. He wants to make your life purposeful. He wants to make meaning in it. He wants to use you. You're an ambassador. He wants you to affect this world for his purposes. And so he picks folks that we can relate to. And of all of them, he starts with Peter, when Peter would clearly say, being, lest you also fall. I'm just like you. So as this is being read, don't put apostle to where it's intimidating. You're just representing your king in this foreign land called earth. And you're going to honor him. He says, let me show you the folks I picked after a night of prayer. And we'll begin. And each of them, interestingly enough, um, I found photographs of them by a Catholic photographer, nevertheless. <laughs> These are the original Jonas brothers. Son of Jonah. Uh, so you, you, had, you had Peter and Andrew, and they were both brothers. Um, Simon, whom he also named Peter. Uh, Peter was a bull in a china shop. He's the guy that would always ask the obvious question that everyone was thinking but was afraid to ask. When he'd say certain stuff, people would marvel at, at what he was asking. Uh, you know, especially up at Caesarea Philippi, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, son of Jonas, Jonas brothers. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father's in heaven. And then later he'd say, um, you know, let me build this and this, and it can't be so that you'd be crucified. And then Jesus would say to him, get behind me, Satan. And the old adage that I've heard professors say is that if you follow the footsteps of Peter around Galilee, there's only one footprint all the way around Galilee because the other foot that Peter had was in, in his mouth. <laughs> and, and so you, you have Peter who is just remarkable, but Andrew is quiet and thoughtful. And he's, he's kind of out of the limelight. And he, he's, he's not somebody who jumps in and speaks before anyone else. He's just real quiet, but he's subtle and he brings people. He's the one who brought Peter to Jesus. And, and so you have this quiet, thoughtful brother and you have this boisterous, outgoing brother and he puts them together. And uh, I was thinking to myself, um, I, I don't know that if the Lord had selected me that I would want to be placed with my brother, but he knew what was best and he did that and he puts them together. And he lets them be together. And so... Andrew and Peter go out and then he picks these other two and they're brothers. He picks James and John, James and John. I want to spend a little bit of time on these guys uh, and I'm limited in what I can do, but here's that Catholic photographer, James and John, uh, brothers. And, and 
James is older than John. John is the youngest of all of the disciples. It's estimated that he was probably about 14 or 15 years of age when Jesus called him. John's real young. James is older than his brother. Um, and, and the two brothers together, they're given the name Sons of Thunder. And the reason why they're given the name Sons of Thunder is out of Luke chapter 9. We're going to see it later down the road. But uh, he says to him. Um, When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to consume them? He said this about the Samaritans, I think it was. Uh, They they didn't respond to Christ. And this irritated them. And and these two brothers just look at the Lord and they're like, nuclear option. Let's Let's just wipe them off the map. How dare they not respond to the Savior of the world? Lord, look. I know it's a tough lesson, but once we teach it, we won't need to do it again. I mean, we'll do the grandmothers, we'll do the nursing infants. Uh, They were ambitious and heated. Ambitious because they were the ones that said, "Uh, Lord, we want to ask you a question you can't say no to. What's that? Well, can one of us sit on your right and the other on your left? They got their mother to go do it and irritate all the other. So they're ambitious, they're heated, they're, man, the whole place is moving. There we go. God bless you guys. (laughs) I'm trying to... So he says, he says that, um, that the idea is that they're ambitious and they're heated. They want to do this nuclear option. They're also very denominational. Um, uh, he, they would come to the Lord and they'd say, hey, you know, they, they're, casting out, they're casting out demons in different, in, in, by a different, you know, uh, they're a different group of people. They're not one of us. And, and I, I thought, you know, we have those kind of in the church. What? That's not the, that's not the, that. That's not the way we do that at Calvary Chapel. Why'd you? I don't. I don't understand. Because that's we don't do that at Calvary Chapel. Well, you are a Peter. Or excuse me, you are a John or a James. This is different. It doesn't follow the distinctives. I understand that. And and oftentimes, look, I'm a Calvary Chapel pastor through and through. And, and I, I honor that. I, I, I love the systematic study of the scriptures that Chuck gave me and, I, and Don McClure and I'm faithful and I'm not wavering. Or, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to stretch you. We bring Bishop Huggins in here and you guys hear a black preacher that was down in Oxnard and now is in the Midwest and comes from the Church of God in Christ, Kojic, and you guys never heard anything like that. And he gets heated and he starts whooping and you guys are like, whoa. <laughs> And he's sweating and he's hollering and you guys don't know what to do with it. And I'm like, I love it. I'm just watching you stretch. It's like, whoa, my face is... Sunday nights with Pastor Brad, I'm loving it that you guys are going, what in the world? I'm stretching. I don't know what's happening. And we didn't do this at the... I know. I know. I know. And that's that's James and John. These are guys that are stretched. They're very denominational. They're very driven, um, but the Lord changes them and he uses them. Um, I'd also say, as we get to the next two, you got Philip and Bartholomew, which is another name for Nathaniel. Um, and in relation to Philip, uh, Philip is really outgoing. He's an outgoing guy. Um, and then Nathaniel's very uh, co- contemplative or contemplative. Um, he's kind of an introvert and Philip's an extrovert. And the Lord puts them together. Iron sharpens iron. I, I do that oftentimes with staff. I'll do that in, in, in 
you know, areas where I have management responsibility, I'll put kind of opposing people together and they hate it. And I love it because they're like, and it's a grinding process, but it makes you sharp because in this case, one is an introvert, the other is an extrovert. And Jesus is saying an unguarded strength is a weakness and, and you're really strong here, but you're really strong here and you're really weak here, but you're really weak there. And we put you together and you're going to balance each other. And, and you guys can write me up later. Oh, he's impl- Im- Im- importing Eastern religion. Yin and yang, push and pull, whatever you want to do. The idea is it's sharpening and you're stretching. It, it's not homogenous. And I had said that to Weston Whitaker, the Church of Jesus Christ uh, bishop. I said, come on, man. You guys got you get, the quorum of the 70. Old white guys in the same suits. And old white guys in the 12, a couple of them die. Old white guys get up, take the place of the old white guys as the old white guys move on. He's giggling and I'm laughing and I knew that it was okay. And we had a laugh with each other. And I said, stretch it. And you guys are going through that. You're embracing your, your, your past you're accepting it historically. You're not trying to cover it up. You're looking at it. I said, these are good things for you. And start going through this. Well, this is the idea with Philip and Bartholomew. They're two different folks, and they're grinding one. One is, one is a, an extrovert. The other is an introvert. And then we come to these two guys, and I love how the Lord um, puts them together. This is one of my favorites. But before I do that, remember, this is one of the reasons why uh, Nathaniel was an introvert. When the Lord found him, he was sitting under a fig tree. Oh, all by myself. <laughs> and then Philip said, come on, let's go. Are, are, there, are there people there? Yeah, yeah, we're going to go. No, I don't want to go. I'm just sitting there with the and people, and I don't like people. Come on! You need to spend some more time alone with the Lord. Oh, okay. And they worked on each other. But then it brings us to the group here. And these two guys, I dig them. Uh, you got Matthew and Thomas. And w- okay, what do you call Thomas? Yeah, that poor guy. <laughs> Doubting Thomas. I think he's honest Thomas. He's the guy that the Lord says, we're going here. And you go, oh, yeah, okay, we'll go with you. And we're all going to die. They're like, well, yeah. And all the others are like, yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty accurate, you know. You got that down. We're all going to die. Woe is me. He's like the Eeyore of the apostles. And, and, and they, they bring him in. And, and, and Thomas is always, he's like, interestingly enough, of one of our founding, founding fathers, the guy who was all about uh, reason was Thomas Paine. These are the times that try men's soul, the son of a soldier, and the sunshine patriot when the season shrink of the duty of their country, but those who defend. Thomas Paine. And in Thomas Paine, named after the Apostle Thomas, and, and Thomas is the reason guy. I, I, unless I see it, I won't believe it. I need evidence. <laughs> and what does the Lord do? The Lord puts him with Matthew. Not just Matthew, Levi Matthew. Calls him Matthew, and there, now Luke is calling him Matthew again, which means gift of God. But Levi was the tax collector. He was the one who was part of the Levites who had abandoned the, 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 the Jewish faith to side with Rome against his own people. And, and he probably left the priesthood because nobody quotes the Old Testament more than Matthew does. And, and Matthew knows the word of God. And here, here's a man who, who knows the word of God, saw the, the duplicity of the Jewish faith in that day and age, 
and, and the hypocrisy of it. And then he comes face to face with the truth. And his memorization of the word, his time studying the scriptures and seeing Jesus, who is the embodiment of the word, face to face. His whole world changes. He gives away his wealth to follow God. He's all in. He's all in. And the Lord says, okay, Matthew, you're going to go with Thomas, Mr. Reason, with Mr. Faith. Uh, and Thomas would be like, I, I, I just, I don't see how this is going to work out. We're all going to die. We're, we're going to die. And then Matthew would be like, be anxious in nothing, but all things by prayer. Shut up, Matthew, because that's New Testament. Hadn't even been written yet. Just stop that. You, you, you. But, but, but Matthew would always say it was written that it might be fulfilled. And here he is always giving a scriptural reference. And Thomas and the two of them are growing. And, and you know, there, there are folks in the body of Christ that all they know is scripture. And I don't read nothing. I don't see any shows. I'm just scripture minded. And then if it's not in scripture, I don't want to read it. And what's the point? And, and, and you, you go on a lobbyist trip to Washington and sit with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers and, and you don't speak anything that they're pertaining to and you just talk in scripture the whole time. Your meeting's going to be a nanosecond. And you'll accomplish nothing and, and you go, well, what's the point of it? Oh, wait, we don't need to be in Hollywood. We don't need to be in politics. No, we just need to be preaching the word. The word. The Bible says, study to show yourself approved unto God. A work may need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There's truth. All of the ology, sociology, uh, biology, it, it, where you get the word university, it's from the word Elohim, singular plurality, unified diversity, different areas of study for a unified purpose to glorify God. He made it all. The laws of nature and nature's God. You become so myopic that you can't see the gospel affecting culture. And he says, I'm putting Matthew with Thomas. It's necessary. You'll rub off on each other and it'll be good for you. And so um, I love this idea that he's honest, Thomas, and uh, you can call him, you know, doubting Thomas. There's a picture of him going, yeah, that's it. I'll, okay, I guess I'll believe that's a serious wound there. How are you walking? That's amazing. <laughs> and the thing right there. And then we're out of time, so I want to bring us to the last two. Um, do I have the last two here? No, that's, I, got, I got four more. Uh, this is, this is uh, James, the son of Alphaeus, or James the Lesser. Um, and again, the lesser could mean that he was younger or shorter. No idea. Um, and then we combine him with Simon called the zealot, uh, Zelotius, uh, which means revolutionary. Um, Simon was actually cut into pieces. And, and he's probably one of these revolutionaries, like, you know, just he's defiant. And, and they're, they're probably killing him and they're martyring him and they're taking him piece by piece. He goes, is that all you got? Is his hands missing? And they cut off his toe. <laughs> It didn't hurt. That was, what are you tickling me? Come on. And this is, this is, this is Simon Zelotius, Simon the Zealot. He, he is, he's up for war. He's up for the in- intensity of it. He wants to be in the forefront. He wants to be the one that they're putting in handcuffs in front of the news. He wants to be in your face. And then you combine him with a guy we, we don't even know anything about him. In the room here, you're sitting next to somebody you don't even know their name. And the fact that you have enjoyed this fellowship and this building and the work that they've been doing week in and week out to make it comfortable for you, and you don't even know that. And they are invisible. And they serve. And that's, that's this idea of James the Lesser. And whether it meant he was short or meant he was young, I think it's the fact that he was happy taking a back seat and God combined him with a guy who wanted to be in the front row. 
and they just rubbed off on each other. There, there are times to go forward and times to push back, and there are times where, you know, Simon is saying to James, hey, come on, get a backbone, let's go. And I just really don't want to offend any. My daughter Molly, she hates to offend people. Oh, Dad, I don't really think, it, but I, it needs to happen. We've got to say something. You added we. Do you have a mouse in your pocket, or are you saying I have to do it? You know, and you, would you call them? You call them. You're the one who's, but I don't, I, ah, and I love that about her because she, she's approachable. She's like Michelle. She's just like her, her mom. She's approachable. And then on my end, it's like, all right, bull in a china shop. I'll take it on. Let's do this, you know, and. That's how the Lord builds this grouping. And then the last two is he puts uh, uh, the, the two Judases together, and I get a kick out of that. Judas, the son of James. But the fact is he's called the apostle with three names because Judas Iscariot so screwed up the name that the only place it works is in a heavy metal rock band. You can't use Judas anymore. Nobody names, you know. He can, but it's not great, and you got to keep explaining it. And, and it, it, it's like, you know, Adolf Hitler, Jezebel, um, my name's Ted Bundy. I, whatever it is, you just have to deal with it. And the, the names still work, but it's just an odd combo. And, and so they, they call him Thaddeus or, or Alabius and, 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 and um, or Lebius. So you have Judas, the son of James. Um, and, 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 and they give him another name, and he's just kind of low-key. But then these two together, even, even the name Judas, uh, Jesus' half-brother, Judas, would take on the diminutive form of the name called Jude because he'd write the epistle of Jude. And he would use this diminutive form because Judas Iscariot so screwed up the name that even through church history, they didn't want to use Judas anymore. And so this poor guy is called Thaddeus or Lebius and, and uh, Judas Iscariot, how it ends in the passage of Scripture by saying simply, who also became a traitor. And in this case, um, he betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, goes out and hangs himself. But what's fascinating about all of these um, that I want to conclude, just two simple verses with you. We, we don't know a lot about many of them, and we know some about, uh, we know some about a few of them. But this is one thing we know about all of them. Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The ones that succeeded were the ones that labored in prayer with the Lord and aligned to his will and his purposes. You get your eyes off the Lord. Peter did it and so did Judas. Judas really got his eyes off and went real sideways. Peter came back around. We're all prone to fall, but you keep your eyes on him, the author and finish of your faith. If you're not a praying person, start to apply this discipline in your life. Align yourself with the Lord because not only is he praying and interceding, the Bible says he's at the right hand of the Father ever living to make intercession for you. He also wants you to be praying. I have to tell you something. I don't care who you are. Wherever your faith is or absence of faith, would you at least attempt this? In this next week, would would you just say, you know, God, what is your purpose and direction for my life? Start having a conversation with him. That's what prayer is. It's just you talking to God. He talks to you through his word and also through his impression and ministry through others. And you're going to start to see some amazing things happen in your life if you just take up a time of prayer because the picture is simply this. It says, 
that we began with and we conclude with. Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. And really all prayer does is align you with his kingdom. And if you're his ambassador, don't you kind of want to get direction from the prince? And is what you're doing really worth doing if you can do it apart from prayer? You're just moving dirt from one pile to the next. You're awake all night. And that dirt's not going to heaven. The Bible says, store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust will not destroy, thieves will not break in and steal. You're not taking anything material to heaven with you. The only thing going to heaven is people. And people aren't the enemy, they're the opportunity. And whether it's a flight to Washington or a flight back from Washington, he has this unique way of placing somebody next to you. And if you're aligned with his purpose and his direction and his desires, all of a sudden he starts filling you and directing you and guiding you. And that's the power of prayer, both from you and what Jesus is doing on your behalf. And every one of these men, you may not know their names, but they're no different than you and I. And your life can be of great significance starting today with one simple application of prayer. Try it and watch what God does. Amen?